And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, excuse me, Pinell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And uh, uh, Mayor Turner, Judge Hidalgo, uh, thank you all for welcoming us. Got the board today? Uh, yes, I did. What did you learn? A lot. Is there a crisis of the board, sir? To restore the soul of America, to rebuild the backbone of this nation, the middle class, and to make America respected around the world again. I'm a proud Democrat. But I will govern as an American president. I'll work as hard for those who didn't vote for me as those who did. Let this grim era of demonization in America begin to end here and now. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies, they are Americans. And I'll have the honor of serving with the fantastic Vice President who you just heard from, Kamala Harris. Who makes history as the first woman, first black woman, the first woman from South Asian descent, the first daughter of an immigrant ever elected in this country. The people of this nation have spoken. The government spend billions of dollars and then other people say no, no more federal spending. Uh, let's give the tax rebates. And the other intelligent people say no tax rebates. We've got to do this and do that. So everybody is confused. Uh, how, how do you see the thing? What, how are we going to get out of this? Well, uh, Johnny, I think that one of the things is that people keep looking at government for the answer, and government's the problem. Members of Congress, the state of our union is strong. That sounds so good. <laughs> An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. It just doesn't work that way. No one has benefited more from a thriving economy than women who have filled 58% of the newly created jobs last year. You weren't supposed to do that. Thank you very much. Large, organized caravans are on the march to the United States. I have ordered another 3,750 troops to our southern border to prepare for this tremendous onslaught. This is a moral issue. In the past, most of the people in this room voted for a wall, but the proper wall never got built. I will get it built. 
We are now making it clear to China that after years of targeting our industries and stealing our intellectual property, the theft of American jobs and wealth has come to an end. Tonight, we are also joined by Pittsburgh survivor Judah Sabbath. He arrived at the synagogue as the massacre began. But not only did Judah narrowly escape death last fall, more than seven decades ago, he narrowly survived the Nazi concentration camps. Today is Judah's 81st birthday. They wouldn't do that for me, Judah. <laughs> wow, that is some fantastic audio, <laughs> if I do say so myself. I play all that audio not to make any point other than the vast uh, dissimilarity between what we're seeing out of the White House right now, and I, and I mean just optics. I don't mean policy or anything like that. With that audio, I'm displaying how Sleepy Joe talks. That's Donald Trump's characterization of him, not mine. Um, how disconnected he is from even the words he's saying at that moment you know one thing you could say for donald trump is that he beat that horse to death on certain topics he would use the same phrasing everything it was just it was absolutely 100 percent donald trump with joe biden you, you just don't see life out of him you don't see excitement you don't see passion or ambition Donald Trump, whether you liked his policies or not, you knew what he stood for, and you knew that he was going to fight tooth and nail for what he believed was right. Joe Biden, I mean, who, who even is he right now? Who's pulling the strings? Because we haven't seen him hardly at all since Inauguration Day. And even on Inauguration Day, the reason I included that audio of his victory speeches with uh, Kamala Harris, sorry, Kamala Harris, I included that because that that's that should be his prime. After all these years, as, as many failed attempts as he's had at running for public office, as running you know running for president, that was his victory day. That was his best day in politics. If you want to talk about as far as level of achievement goes tightly contested race all this ambition to unite the country and yet still just i mean he ran down the stage like a freaking 80 year old which he basically is he can't string a, a sentence together just fluidly this is all written for him but even then he can't just say a sentence it's uh uh mm. Lots of pauses, lots of just uncertainty about what comes next. And and that just baffles me. Um, we heard the audio there of um, 
Oh, what am I saying? Sorry, I've got a few things in my brain that aren't in my notes that I'm going to get to in just a second. But of course, I want to address that audio. Um, anyways, we'll, we'll get into the deep into the weeds on, on Biden, either this episode or next. But I've got something that popped into my head today that I was that resulted from some actions or some changes that I'm making to the show, to the podcast um, and the formats, things like that. And so I kind of want to go into why I've had this, we're 26 episodes in. Thanks by the way, for for those who are consistently listening, I see you and I appreciate you. Can't do it without you. Um, the shares, the likes, the comments, the ratings, all of that stuff can't do it without you. So I encourage you again, continue to do that. If you haven't already, uh, when you see the new, new episode posts and some of the quotes and just different things that we post on our Instagram Sharing that is just the best way to get the word out there. Share it to your story, um, message it to people, whatever. Uh, we can't do it without you. So before I get into the weeds with the Biden audio, some changes are coming to the podcast. One, I've got the, the technology and the ability to be making videos. I don't have the confidence to to get my face in front of a camera necessarily and just feel like I belong. Um but that's not an excuse. So the change that I'm making is going to be adding single topic videos. I'm sure you've seen them all over Instagram. I feel like the ones that I watch, some of them are done really well. You know, uh, PragerU does some good stuff. Um, Daily Wire, uh, of course, The Blaze, things like that. They have good stuff, but I feel like there's something lacking. I feel like there's... Um, I don't know. I feel like there's just something lacking. I feel like there's something I can contribute in being um, factual. You know, so, so here's the here's the change. Here's here's the, the switch. The podcast, I want to focus on commentary, just like I have been. Tell you my thoughts. There's going to be some bias there because I do have opinions. Um, and we can we can all deal with that. And that's fun. But then I'm going to be making these single topic videos that are going to be just the facts, just like I've been doing with um, Great Reset, things like that. I try not to pull in any other sources other than their own words. Uh, so that's a topic I'm going to dive into a lot. I've got a ton of notes and I've already, I'm already working on a segment. Well, it was going to be a podcast podcast segment. Now it's going to be a single topic video um, uploaded to Instagram TV. And... Uh, that that is what is stakeholder capitalism. That is something that's all over the Great Reset, all over um, speech that you're hearing today coming from the left and from corporate America. You're seeing stakeholder capitalism, equity, not equality, um, public health crisis, climate emergency. All these things that are coming in that are all they seem to be so separate. You know, what does our healthcare have to do with stakeholder capitalism? And what does that have to do with climate change? It's all linked together. And so I don't want to just be this, this conspiracy theorist saying what everybody else is saying and then freaking out about it. I want to actually present facts. So that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my goal. Again, this, it's going to be slow going at first. This, I've never done this before. Never done video. I've never done um, Twitch, anything like that. I'm setting this up kind of in real time, just like I did with the podcast. You know, if you go back and listen to the quality of episode one versus now episode 26, just in 26 or 25 short episodes, um, or I guess maybe not so short. Uh, I apologize for that, by the way. But just in the matter of 
getting to episode 26, there's a huge difference just in quality. So that's going to be the same, I'm sure, reflected on the video side. And I'm just going to be doing this as best I can with the technology that I have. And um, yeah, that's where we're going to go. So now, uh, with that in mind, I'd like to get into the podcast. We're already 12 minutes in, which means I've got, well, technically 18 minutes, <laughs> but uh, 48 minutes. So, all right, let's get into it. I got a lot of topics I want to talk about, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed through this as fast as I can, but be as uh, thorough as possible. So before we get into the Joe Biden thing, um, on last episode, I think, or the one before, I talked about the whole Hyatt thing, how uh, Hyatt was facing backlash from CPAC and that they actually stood up for free speech. Um, let me see if I can find that quote. Ah, here it is. Uh, quoting Hyatt in response to the backlash they received for having the gall to, to allow CPAC to host their, their gathering at a Hyatt hotel. Um, their response was, we believe, quote, we believe in the right of individuals and organizations to peacefully express their views. <gasps> I know. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that that is so inflammatory in today's world. Um, so inflammatory, in fact, that they bailed. You know, I thought that they were going to be one of the only to say, you know what? Yeah, we disagree with their 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 views politically. We disagree with probably every single word that's going to get said on that stage. But the one thing we do agree with is their right to say it. You know, and to see them come out in favor of just freedom of speech was refreshing. And then that hope got dashed on the rocks. Um, they they pulled out. Um, there's a, a Daily Caller article that came out talking about this. And what happened was, what really set the stage for this, pun intended, was members of the left, people of the cancel culture, it's almost a community now, came out and said, oh, you know what the stage looked like? It looked like this Nazi symbol. I can't even remember the word they used for it. Um, some Nazi symbol. And they said the stage was shaped like that. This is a dog whistle to, to Nazis everywhere that look, the Republican Party, the conservative movement is yours, basically. And looking at the picture of the stage, so I'm not going to jump the gun here. The, the punchline is coming. Get ready. It's hilarious. But looking at the stage, you know, if you look at it straight on, obviously you can't tell, but if you look at it kind of aerial, aerial, from like an aerial view, you can kind of see those little, the, the sharp right hooks um, that look like the Nazi symbol. And I'm assuming look like whatever this other Ruger, I forgot what the word was. And it's not in this article that I can find, but, um, I mean, I guess I can see it. A Thala rune is a symbol used by the Nazi party during world war two, uh, according to this daily caller article. So the rune itself looks like a, a square in the shape of a diamond with two arms coming out the bottom. And if you look at the stage, you're basically facing the top of the symbol. Uh, and then the little arms out the back are the bottom of the symbol. So, okay, yeah, does does the stage resemble a geometric figure? Well, I mean, yeah, kind of by the nature of it existing, it has to resemble some kind of geometric figure. So I can kind of see it. Yeah, I mean, it's not blatant, but it's there. I would argue that it would take somebody who's at least obsessed with Nazi symbolism, either 
from with good intentions or negative, it would take somebody obsessed with that in order to make that connection. Uh, so I don't know if it says anything about CPAC, but I think it definitely says something at least by, uh, towards whoever recognized that correlation. But here's the punchline. The punchline is the design company that was commissioned to design this stage by CPAC is a very liberal company. Number one, number two, They've done designs for the Biden administration, or not the administration, the Biden campaign. They've done designs for MSNBC, according to this Daily Caller article. And according to, um, I forget his name, from CPAC, who actually helps run the thing, they've used this company before. they got a great business relationship. They disagree politically, but they have a good relationship. He, he said that the people from this, um, the, uh, the design company, I'll get you the name in just a second, is actually, they have a... a very talented people there. Uh, Design Foundry is the company. Uh, According to this article, Design Foundry claimed it had no idea that the design resembled any symbol, nor was there any intention to create something that did. So they're covering their asses. But what they didn't do is they didn't say, like, look, hey, we're the ones who designed that. CPAC is innocent of this, of course. Um, We designed it. We're not Nazis. So end of argument. But what Design Foundry did is they said, no, we didn't know that there was any intention to create something that resembled a Nazi symbol. They're the ones who created it. So they're the only ones who could literally just come out and say, look, look, CPAC didn't say, hey, make us a Nazi symbol for our stage. It's complete BS. And and shame on Design Foundry for not backing up CPAC by saying, look, this is a, a very, very chance coincidence that this happened at all. And I we can assure you as a liberal company that has supported Joe Biden. We are not Nazis. There's nobody in our organization that was like, ooh, this is my chance, either to to get a Nazi symbol on a stage or to try and set up CPAC and, and make it look like um, they're invoking Nazi symbolism in their stage design. All of this could have been completely settled if Design Foundry had just a, a, a microcosm of integrity, but apparently they don't, and neither does the media for hanging on to this story. Um but this is one of those things, jumping back to my previous topic, uh, discussing specific stories, just having the facts, you know, this is one of those things that all of the positive momentum that came out of CPAC was essentially deflated by this story. And some people might have found out about this liberal design company doing the design work. Others never found out another detail about this story after they found out that the stage might have resembled Nazi symbolism. Well, of course, CPAC's full of Nazis. Bam. Zero journalistic integrity. And that is why I want to do this. That's why I want to focus more on on just straight facts. No commentary involved. Because I do think that there are silly stories like this that are just distractions. We're going to talk about uh, Governor Cuomo and... uh, the shit storm that he stepped in in his brand new shoes. And, well, we'll get into it. But just keep that in mind. You know, there's the phrase, you know, while one hand's over here working, don't lose sight of what the other hand is doing. And and I feel like there's these stories that come out, like they're nothing burgers. Like we shouldn't even be focused on this. There's so much more going on in the world. People dying, people in present day slavery. And we're focused on, Governor Cuomo with his um, 
hand on the small of somebody's back or asking some chick to eat a whole sausage. You know, <laughs> it's disgusting and uh, he should be at minimal investigated on those sexual assault allegations. However, that is not the story we should be focused on in relation to Andrew Cuomo. But that's neither here nor there. Before we get there, Texas and Mississippi have opened up 100%. They announced it on Texas Independence Day. Can we just... Can we give a giant finally to that? I, mean, I saw a meme today. It was uh, praise heaped on <laughs> on uh, Governor Abbott for uh, lifting a mask mandate that he enacted. And I get that. I get, I, I get the the frustration with governor Abbott when we're, we're in Texas, we're supposed to be the freedom state. And we were one of the first States to have a mask mandate. Now, to be fair, the teeth were taken out of that. You know, I go to HEB or a grocery store, whatever Walmart. And I see plenty of people without masks on. I don't know if it's a medical issue or if it's just a flat out, you know, I'm not going to do it either way. The, the teeth were taking out of that mask mandate as soon as penalties were levied against people who were trying to open up their businesses to feed their families, people who weren't wearing masks. And then there was that one lady, um, I think a restaurant owner, a salon owner that went to, to jail and Abbott was like, we're not going to have any of that. So you know, whatever, I, honestly, I think governor Abbott got caught up in the, do we, do we, we got to pick our battles, right? Do we battle them over the masks? Or do we say, all right, yeah, Texas, fine. Everybody wear a mask, but if you don't, no big deal. And then just hurdle that entire argument, all that drama, and just get into the real issue, the science of COVID. I honestly think that's what he was doing. But then you got these these people that are just, you know, as soon as somebody they like does something that they disagree with on whatever level, it's, oh, they're part of the system now. Oh, I thought they were different. It's just another rhino. You know, it's just that it's got that issue. Um. That being said, uh, I, I thank God that I, that Abbott saw the light. And I think, honestly, I think he saw the lies and deceit, the manipulation for political gain coming from the left. And he saw, and, and at first, maybe there was a little bit of, I don't know, I wouldn't call it naive hope. The dude's older than I am. He's been in politics. He's not naive. But I think there was hope there, or at least perceived hope in trying to Give the left that benefit of the doubt saying, all right, we're going to do this thing. Now can we sit down at the table and discuss? And when he realized that, no, they aren't honest brokers. They weren't interested in coming to the table. No matter what you do, no matter how much you compromise your beliefs or, or, or bend over backwards to make them feel like you're trying to unify with them. At the end of the day, it takes two to tango. Unity involves both sides, not one side saying this is what it takes to unify and then the other side saying, all right, well, that violates all my principles and core beliefs, but fuck it was unify. Like, that's not how it works. I'm sorry. What we saw out of this, though, is the power of the state. And I don't mean the state as in the federal government. Um, by the way, if you hear dogs, it's been a shit week for me. <laughs> Just a terrible week. I got the door open. I'm letting the animals outside uh, on the patio to, to chill and bark at the neighbor dogs. So that's what that is. Um, but what, what this whole thing showed me with Texas and Mississippi was the power of the state. The states, individual states, we have 50 of them. Now that is 50 autonomous, um, powerful 
entities. As powerful as as much attention as we devote to our federal government and what's happening in D.C., the power really does lie with the states. And the states telling the federal government, that's cool, you do you, but here in Texas, we're going we're gonna to do what we do. And what we do is freedom. And thank God I live in Texas. And thank God we have a governor like Governor Abbott. And I pray to God that we, we, we stay a free state. Because we have to have these checks. We're seeing all these states across the country saying, listen, Biden, you're cool, but we got to do what's best for us. And so they're passing uh, laws and things like that and, and uh, saying that, you know, if, if Biden puts out a, an executive order, we have the right to say yes or no to it. Um, so we need to see this effort across the country. And we need to see it reflected not just in states like Texas and not just issues like COVID, but every state that wants to be a free state, every state that wants to be a sanctuary state for our Constitution and for our Bill of Rights. But not just about COVID. Critical race theory is huge. That's one of those topics I want to cover uh, in our in our single topic videos. The Great Reset, obviously. Healthcare, immigration reform, border security, all these things we need our states to weigh in. And, and that's what I hope is coming out of it. If, if there's any positivity coming out of the Biden administration existing, I hope it's that our states grow a spine. Um, and then to, to cap this entire story off, we have Joe Biden coming out and, and referring to these states that are opening back up as Neanderthals or Neanderthalics, whatever you wanted you wanted to call it. I got some audio for you from Jen Psaki. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, the governor of Mississippi has responded to the president's comments yesterday, and he seems to have taken offense at some of the president's language. Uh, he says Mississippians don't need handlers. I just think we should trust Americans and not insult them. He's making an argument that this is really about personal liberty here. Does the president uh, have any second thoughts about the language that he used yesterday? And how does comparing someone to a Neanderthal help convince them to change course and get on board with your public health message? The behavior of a Neanderthal, just to be very clear, um, the behavior of. Look, I think the president, uh, what, what, we, what everybody saw yesterday was. No, no, you look. Biden wasn't like in the heat of the moment. It wasn't like, oh, I haven't heard that issue, but it sounds Neanderthalic. This is a, a, an issue that we have been debating between free states and lockdown states since this time last year. Not a, not a new topic. And yet, we're supposed to just give him a pass of no, the behavior of a Neanderthal. Hey, tell me the difference. All right, I'm not a Neanderthal. I just act like one? Like, okay. Hashtag unity. I'm not going to play the rest of that video because it's, it's all just seems so... <sighs> so pointless to even try to not even just unite, but just find common ground with these people. Sometimes it just seems impossible. So now we get to get into the, the fun topic of the day, which is this governor Cuomo. Um, I, I, there's so many angles I want to approach this from. So I just got to pick one. <laughs> uh, and, and this is going to go against my notes, but what I was mentioning earlier, about uh, this this entire sexual misconduct situation going on with Cuomo, to me seems to be almost best case scenario for him at this point with the nursing home scandal 
already out there. It's like, oh, the media is focusing on the fact that um, I'm a perv. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God they're not focusing on the fact that I murdered grandmas. And, and, and let's be real. The, the nursing home scandal really is a giant issue. We had many states that were um, allowing COVID-positive patients to re-enter nursing homes, to leave hospitals with a positive case of COVID and be put back into nursing homes. But not only that, Governor Cuomo took it a step further. He made sure that it was against the law for them to be tested before being put back into the nursing homes. There was a giant ship that Donald Trump sent docked right outside New York that was not used. Or used very little, I'm not sure. There were places to put positive COVID-positive patients who are older and obviously the most at risk. We've known that for a while now. And yet, it was no. So what do you call that when somebody somebody knows? You know, focusing on the science, this party of science. The, the Democrats are supposed to be so obsessed with science and, and they, they want to follow the science. The science showed that if you got somebody who's sick with a contagious virus, a very contagious virus that has the, the chance to kill, that maybe you shouldn't put them in the same rooms and in the same facilities as people who don't have it and you don't want them to catch it. What do you do? Just virus 101. What do you do when somebody in your family has the flu? You tell them to stay the hell home. <laughs> you tell them, hey, you know, I know we're going to have this get-together. There's many times where I've had to tell my family, like, listen, hey, I'm sick, so I'm just not going to come because nobody wants to get sick. I don't understand. I don't. I honestly don't understand that. But Cuomo did finally get around to addressing the the sex scandal. So I want to give you his audio because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Let's listen. It's it's awesome. I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. It was unintentional. And I truly and deeply apologize for it. I feel awful about it. And frankly, I am embarrassed, embarrassed. by it. And that's not easy to say. But that's not easy for him to say. Like, are we supposed to have pity on this douchebag? Are we supposed to feel bad that he's this middle-aged creep and he has somehow the the confidence and the balls frankly to talk the way he talked to women in front of his daughter hey i want to see you eat that whole sausage what the hell are we supposed to assume he was talking about sorry if you heard that noise that was just the freaking cats deciding to be assholes in the middle of my podcast so so now we're supposed to say, well, he didn't mean to offend somebody. He was just being a creep and thought that, I guess, these these innocent ladies um, had some kind of a creep fetish. So, anyways, it, it's, it's hard to have a lot of sympathy for somebody like that. Um, and then what this has brought out, beyond just the actual story itself, what this has brought out is the hypocrisy from the woke progressive left, and from the Biden administration. Listen to this audio of a uh, news reporter asking, again, 
Pasaki to address the fact that Kamala was is silent on the the uh, Cuomo issue, but she was extremely vocal back when uh, Kavanaugh was trying to get confirmed to his um, Supreme Court seat. Sorry. About Governor Andrew Cuomo, Vice President Kamala Harris was one of the most vocal critics of Justice Brett Kavanaugh of Senator Al Franken when they faced similar allegations. She said repeatedly, I believe them, the women. But she hasn't said anything about the three women who are accusing Governor Andrew Cuomo. And now this third accuser, Anna Roosh, she actually worked for the Biden-Harris campaign. So at what point is the first female vice president going to say something about this? Well, I, I know that's how the, the uh, vice president continues to feel. And uh, the benefit of doing a briefing every day is that I can certainly speak on behalf of the president and the vice president. And so let me reiterate that uh, they both believe that every woman coming forward should be heard, should be. Tra- uh, whatever. We know exactly how they believe in theory. Right. We know exactly what position they would take if they felt that this issue was important enough for them to address it. And if they felt that this issue didn't present a political stumbling block for them. So. What's the reaction? What's the response? Well, if it could damage us, the Democrats, collectively, well, then let's just pretend it didn't happen. And this is where I'm like, I don't want to focus on the sex scandal anymore because that's not the issue. They would love to turn this into a big issue. And Kamala Harris, Joe Biden coming out and saying this is wrong, that that pretty much Cuomo's done. And that that ends this issue and then frees the American people up to and frees the media up to focus on the nursing home scandal. So they don't want to do that. It's very obvious. They're, I mean, they're they're not even trying to pretend like they give a crap anymore about actual issues. And that's my problem with it. Um, you know, I got a lot of notes here talking to Democrat voters. But really, it's not even Democrats anymore. There, there's two classes of politician. There's the, the bright-eyed, clear-eyed, passionate... Um, motivated young politician who goes to Washington and says, I'm going to make change. And then there's the politician that's been there for years and years and years and says, yeah, yeah, that's, that's cute. We'll let you know when we need you. And the same is the same message is given to voters, especially Democrat voters. Um, pre Trump, this was also especially Republican voters. We had a huge, strong tea party grassroots movement But we had a lot of lip service being paid to conservative thought. Donald Trump changed that. Now, the Republican Party essentially being Donald Trump's party and him teasing a 2024 run at president again, um, conservatives are being represented in the party. Thank God, finally. But now the Democrats are into the same um, lack of representation in their own party as as the conservatives were. And it's very obvious. It's very obvious that any input or say or significance in anything that Joe Biden does or doesn't do that the Democrat voters feel like they have, it's obvious they just don't have that input. They don't have that influence. It's over. He's done with you. You fulfilled your usefulness to the Democrat Party. Your usefulness is to vote for Democrats. Whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. You fit into a box, you're a demographic, you vote Democrat, your purpose, your value in life is done. That is big government. That is the definition of big government. Big government doesn't need P3 
people to do anything. It doesn't need a grassroots movement. A big, big government excludes all voices except voices that agree with it. And that's what we're seeing in society right now. And the kicker, what's surprising to most people, myself included, is just over the past year or so, is that big government doesn't need to step on our rights. Big government just has to set the tone and then let these massive corporations and big tech and big media do the legwork because they're private companies. They can't violate your freedom of speech because it's their company. They get to operate however they want. At least that's the theory. And especially if you're a minority or a member of the trans community, this LGBTQ, QQIAAPP, I think that's it. Maybe I got that out of order. Um, you're nothing more to Biden than a trading card, to be completely honest with you. There are so many people in the trans community. I listened to a podcast today, actually, with Dan Crenshaw's podcast, who's a, a, a senator, or no, no, House of Reps. Uh, he's a rep from Houston, Texas. And he's got a podcast, We Hold These Truths, and he had on a member of the trans community. He actually had, he had somebody who had gone through gender reassignment surgery and ultimately regretted it because it has destroyed their life. It is, um, what's it called? Experimental science. And so if something goes wrong in those procedures, you're, you're screwed. And people like that, and, and that, that, that speaker, that guest he had on his podcast was saying, listen, there's an army of us. We just, we can't get a politician to listen to us. We can't get a newspaper to print our opinion pieces. We can't get people to listen. We get lumped in with crazy evangelicals who cannot, you know, as somebody, as a Christian, you know, I understand that my exposure to the trans community, to the gay community, all that is not, it's probably not very accurate. I mean, I've had gay friends, but I've never really had the opportunity to learn what it means to feel that you are of the opposite gender that you um, have been assigned or whatever that language is. I know I'm going to butcher the language, so I'm not even going to try. But taking it from somebody who is part of that community, who has gone those, has gone through those procedures and has experienced the positive and negative effects of it, to, to hear them say, I got banned from Twitter. I got my, my book won't sell. I can't find anybody to listen to me. There's all these voices saying how great all these, these surgeries can be for people, but there's, there's no, there's not even lip service being paid to the other side of the argument. Um, and that's just further hypocrisy from the left. So getting back to Joe Biden, we'll finish this one up. Um, you know, Joe Biden, he's got his own agenda. He does. He's got an agenda that may or may not include the trans community. You know, maybe the agenda, maybe the usefulness of the trans community, like I just said, was getting him elected. And now eh, we'll see. He has his own agenda. And, and, and to be honest, you know, that's that's probably just, you know, those big blocks that you, you give kids or like big plastic square cube, whatever. It's got holes in it and there's well, one's a triangle, one's shaped like a star. And you got to put the other smaller blocks into the right hole so that it fits into the um, into the box itself. And oh, yeah, game game one. That is Biden's probably his his daily agenda. The agenda I'm concerned about and frankly kind of scared of is Kamala Harris. Um, I think she's got the real uh, real agenda. 
in regards to obviously Second Amendment, wealth redistribution via taxation, the border, all of it, everything. And obviously the one I'm most concerned about is freedom of speech right now. It, it's, you know, we can't even make our argument many times because we don't, we're, we're losing so much of those freedoms. And so it's just, to me, it's just, well, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. That's, that's how it feels. I feel ancient right now because that's how I feel sometimes. Um, anyways, uh, I'm going to get y'all out of here soon. Um, I'm going to throw some stories at y'all. Uh, here's some audio from Ted Cruz. This is something good to listen to talking about the Chinese communist party and, um, really the connections to some of these people that are being nominated into the Biden administration and their connections with the Chinese Communist Party. Listen. I rise today to express concern over President Biden's nomination of Governor Gina Raimondo to lead the Department of Commerce. We are a year into a deadly pandemic that originated in Wuhan, China. The Chinese Communist Party censored and disappeared doctors and journalists who were trying to tell the truth about how the coronavirus was spreading and the Chinese Communist Party lied to the world about the nature of the virus. Over two and a half million people worldwide have died, including over a half million Americans. The Chinese Communist Party's lies and censorship and propaganda didn't stop with the pandemic. They pervade everything the Chinese Communist Party does. Many of us are increasingly concerned that China is gaining access to American secrets using non-traditional all-of-government or even all-of-nation approaches to espionage against the United States and our allies. That includes using companies like Tencent and Huawei, which masquerade as telecom companies when they are, in fact, government espionage operations. And, and real quick, before I let this finish, um, I, that's an important... He, and maybe he gets into a little bit more detail in just a second, but it's important to recognize that in, in a global economy and in an economy that is... Ones and zero is based. Everything's in the cloud. Everything's on a server somewhere. You know, literally today, my 40-hour-a-week job, our internet at the at our physical offices, of course, I'm working from home, but the internet, the, the servers went down. Literally crippled. Literally cannot do my job. Everything is based on a server somewhere. And when you've got these companies and these applications that are either directly linked to the Chinese government, or as we saw with Hunter Biden, you've got these venture capitalist groups receiving funding from the Bank of China, the Bank of China, and investing in American companies and American technology, many of those companies producing technology with defense applications, Department of Defense, military applications. And the Chinese government now has a stake in that. It's not good, people. This is deeply troubling and I dangerous. I also agree. China is, in my judgment, the greatest long-term geopolitical threat to the United States for the next century. Presidents in both parties have believed for decades that the United States could somehow turn China from a foe to a friend. 
through trade and diplomacy. Or that allowing China into rules-based institutions would turn China into a rules-based country. Instead, sadly, the opposite has happened. The United States, of course, can't sever all commerce with one of the biggest economies on the planet. But we must recognize China for the threat it poses to our national security. To counter the threat that China poses, we should do four things. Number one, we should protect ourselves from Chinese espionage and interference. Number two, we should insulate the supply lines of our critical resources from China, including by bringing them back to the United States. Number three, we should insulate all commerce from enabling the Chinese Communist Party's human rights abuses, including their systematic pattern of torture and murder and genocide. We've talked about that on the episode, on the podcast, the how their treatment of the Uyghur, um, I don't even know it's the people, the Uyghur people, which is I, I believe Turkish Muslims that are in China and they're being rounded up and put into the, what you know we call them torture camps, you know we call them um, like like concentration camps is what they are. That's the word I'm looking for. They call them re-education camps. Either way, I mean shit. If you read past like chapter three of farm of uh, animal farm you realize re-education is mm, still not a very good word all right let's get through this 13 seconds and number four we should vigorously compete to secure our interests that was uh from the blaze um thank god for the blaze uh i get a lot of news from Everywhere from CNN, MSNBC, HuffPo, Washington Post, everybody, New York Times. But where I go to for most commentary is places like the Blaze, Daily Wire, um, and PragerU because there, there was there was this time that we see in movies and we grew up with it where the right, the Republican right, was so um, high on its own supply, high on its own morality, where they tried to legislate morality into the American population instead of focusing on the culture. In the meantime, the left, the Democrats, Hollywood focused on culture, focused on music, which is what they do well. Frankly, it's, it is what they do well. The right, the conservative right, is trying to play catch-up, really, when it comes to production quality, production value, um, and, and, and original content. And, and, and I think we're doing a pretty good job now. So the, the roles have literally flipped now the right is the party of free speech. Conservatism says, hey, if what you're saying doesn't immediately physically hurt somebody, say it. Get it out there. I'll support you in getting your voice out there. That's new. That's different. Um, all right. Moving on from that, I encourage you to read up on the Uyghur genocide. What's going on in China is just is is frankly terrifying. The the to to see the level of freak out coming from groups and associations like the NFL and the NBA where the NBA really is uh, Disney as well. The Chinese market is massive now and in many ways surpassing in certain industries, the American market. And you're seeing that in movie production where it's, it's, it's cut and dry plot points. Storyboards are all the same. It's very predictable, but there's tons of cool graphics and um, all of that. That is for the Chinese market. Whereas the American market is a little bit, a little bit more focused on quality. 
Same with the NBA. You can sell jerseys and shoes in America all day long. Cool, that's great. But the Chinese market? Bro, I mean, that, that's where the money's at. And so you hear the LeBron James of the world saying the black people are being hunted down and, and slaughtered by American police. Literally, I mean, that, that was his phrasing. And yet he won't say word one about Japan. He won't say word one about the Uyghur genocide. He won't say word one about the human rights abuses, the, the literal slave labor going on in China. Because if he did, well, then he might not sell as many jerseys uh, in China with the number 23 on them. So look into that. Uh, Washington Examiner uh, talking about these banned Dr. Seuss books. You've all seen this story. It's very well documented. Um, but the thing to remember is that it's not just piles of books in the streets being physically lit on fire that constitutes book burning. So many books nowadays are on Kindles, they're on iPads, they're on phones, they're, they're in the cloud, they're digital versions. It's, it's not as dramatic when you burn books by deleting them with ones and zeros, but it accomplishes the same thing. And so I bring up this point to say, if you don't want these things to happen, if you don't want to see um, six books from Dr. Seuss be systematically, essentially obliterated, save for the physical copies that exist, well... That means you got to buy more physical copies. If, if a book you're buying is, you know, I don't know, a cooking book, sure, get it digital. If it's a book about anything having to relate even um, metaphorically to society and to how people treat each other, all these things, um, buy it in print if possible. Uh, so that's that's all I got to say about that. And my last story, the feel-good story of the day, sarcastically, Black Mirror fans will appreciate this one. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez freaked out over this new RoboCop dog thing being used in the Bronx in New York, which the Bronx is where uh, which she represents. Um, you, we've all seen those Boston Mechanics videos, uh, and if you haven't, you need to look them up. Some of them are just hilarious, but th these robots that they're they're they've got that can function as humans essentially to the point where there's some videos coming out of there that are real actual demos of the, of these robots. And then there's other videos that are fake and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the guy operating the robot who loses control of the robot and the robot punches him out and knocks him across the room or through a wall. Very dramatic. looks like a, like a movie, but as far as comparing that to the real videos, it doesn't look that different. It's freaking scary. Um, she tweeted out, quote, please ask yourself, when was the last time you saw next generation world-class technology for education, healthcare, housing, etc., consistently prioritized for underserved communities like this? And, and so what are we talking about? Is this, you know, is this like the little dog that you, you wind it up and it does little backflips? No, this is a quote from the article, the blue and black rover, which weighs approximately 70 pounds, is equipped with lights, two-way communication, and video cameras. The department said, the robotic canine can also climb stairs and run about three and a half miles an hour and is getting a test run by the NYPD Technical Assistance Unit. So if I see this technology, one, it's terrifying, obviously. It, basically, every dystopian apocalyptic movie that we've ever seen, it's, it's coming true. And on that note, have a good weekend. Be kind to... I'm just kidding. <laughs>
Um, but seriously, what what does AOC want? I know she doesn't like being called AOC, but it's a lot. It's a hell of a lot shorter than Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I'm sorry. It's like you know, as a kid, the when somebody said, "Hey, I need you to spell this word," you just prayed over and over that it wasn't Mississippi. But then you actually finally learned, and then it was kind of fun to spell Mississippi. So now when I have to spell Mississippi, like when I did earlier for the Mississippi and Texas story, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, like it's fun. I'm not there yet with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's not fun yet. So I like to say AOC. Anyways, um, seriously, what does she want? What is she expecting? You know, she's one of these people that thinks police are unfairly treating African-Americans and minorities. And here is a guaranteed peaceful first response to a crime. Let's say that there was, you know, dogs all over the place. Now, everybody loves dogs. First of all, second of all, if you've got a robot instead of a human being making that first contact with a criminal or somebody that you just need to check up on, you know, all these wellness checks that we hear about, these enable the police to give a non-lethal, non-human first interaction to at least gauge the situation. You know, uh, Breonna Taylor, when the, the police kicked down that door, I believe in the middle of the night, no knock, and the the other the boyfriend who had a weapon, all he knows is there are people who are not knocking, kicking in his door, and he's got a gun. If I'm being completely honest, I would probably at least announce, hey, I got a gun. Y'all need to announce yourselves. Who are you and what are you doing here? And why do you have a gun pointed at me? I mean, in, in that instance, I say, uh, it's probably self-defense, which is why we need to look at these no-knock uh, warrant issues. Um, but in this scenario, let's say instead of a no-knock warrant being served, how about you kick the door open and you let Fluffy in and then they go and he this robot dog stands in front of this guy with a gun and the dude with a gun is just like, I must still be high. <laughs> And then the dog starts talking, saying, this is the police, and we have a warrant for your arrest under these conditions. And and then you you go from there. You're watching it on video. The guy runs. All right, he's a runner. Let's go tackle him. Or, all right, he put his gun down, and he's saying, yeah, all right, um, I don't want an issue. Y'all come get me. You know, there's so much that can happen, but at least that first interaction, that question of who the hell are you kicking in my door, let's say he did get a few shots off, it would have been at a robot dog. And then you got to put him down or, you know, it's, it's always so expensive to take your dog to the vet. So then you got to ask that question, like, eh, it's an animal still, or in this case, it's a robot. Do we fix it? Or do we save ourselves a few bucks, get some pizza and bury the dog? <laughs> anyway, that's dark. Um, so anyways, just so I'm definitely on the record, I agree with AOC that this is not what we should be doing necessarily. I'm not a fan of, um, technology being used in law enforcement that enables law enforcement to operate on a wider scale because now it's you know we're not going to be issuing warrants all over the place because there's so much danger posed to our police officers but now we got robots eh, now you're stepping into the well obviously the black mirror um all of those issues so maybe it is just that i'm approaching this topic um more from the angle of a lot, and I mean that, a lot of Mountain Dew-fueled all-nighters and uh, sci-fi movies. So, my wife is calling me. That is sweet. I got to decline her, though. Almost done here. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm going to text her real quick. 
So anyways, uh, Mountain Dew and sci-fi. That's my angle on this story. AOC obviously has a different angle. Um, all right. So I talked to y'all about the single topic uh, videos and all of that. Um, actually, in my notes here, I was still under the assumption that I was only doing podcasts. Then I decided, got to stop being a baby and start making some videos, some good original content. So with that in mind, before I let y'all go, if there's something that you want more information on, and understand I'm not going to provide commentary, it may not be entertaining, but it is, it's going to be a short video format. Maybe it's me talking, or maybe it's just a screen capture, or you, me scrolling through a website showing you, or videos, whatever. But it's going to be fact-based, and I'm going to be answering questions. You know, I'm going to think, all right, um, Uyghur genocide, who are the Uyghurs? What is happening to them? How are they being rounded up? Who is rounding them up? Why are they being rounded up? All of those questions, I'm going to answer them as best as I can with fact, using not just Daily Wire or The Blaze or New York Post, but using all, all of the above, all the news sources. And hopefully we can find common ground between the MSNBCs and the Daily Wires or The Blaze. Um, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But one of the first topics I really want to address is Rachel Levine, this Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services nomination from Joe Biden, and who is a member of the transgender community. I've talked about her before. And I want to make a con conscious effort to try and understand her. I told you I listened to that episode from um, uh, uh, Dan Crenshaw from Houston. He was interviewing somebody who had gone through gender reassignment surgery. I want to understand these things. I want to know the language. I want to understand when they say certain, it's, it's, it's like us on the right here saying, calling everything socialism or communism. You know, we're not communicating our message. We're, we're, we're talking at people. And there, that's no way to convince somebody of the legitimacy of your argument. You have to approach them from a mutual understanding. And if you're not speaking the same language as them, it's doomed to fail. It's pointless. So I want to understand her. Uh, she gave this 54-minute lecture at Franklin and Marshall College called Transgeneration, talking about the science of transgenderism and the LGBTQQIAAP community. And she actually goes through what all of those letters mean. Um, some of them I was surprised at. And some of them I was troubled at. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but she goes into a, a lot of great detail about all of what all of that means. And my goal is to watch the whole lecture wh where many would not who disagree with her. They would just want to f find sound clips. I want to give her the benefit of, benefit of the doubt. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'm not going to do it right now, obviously. Um, so before I drop that landmine, though, I want to explain why I'm paying so much attention to her. One is she's an assistant secretary. <laughs> That's like, um, what is that? <laughs> assistant to the regional manager. Um, but they're putting so much attention on her, even though she believes some very radical things. And they're politicizing her, which means everybody's going to pick a side now. And that to me is scary. It's such a concerning topic because so many things have been lumped into this um, very broad term of public health crisis. So many things can be covered by that that when you start calling things a public health crisis, it's like a state declaring a, natu natu a natural emergency and requesting federal aid. There's a lot of money and focus tied to those things. 
And what concerns me is this advocation for children to have the power to alter their sex organs, hormones. And that's only possible if they can successfully ruin the defining line of child consent. And that's something else that I'm going to bring up in that, that single topic video. We see a lot of language concerning kids and sexuality. And you're seeing a, an abandonment of terms like rape or assault. And instead you're seeing underage, non-consensual. Non-consensual sex is rape. We need to use the word. Underage sex is pedophilia and rape. We need to call it as such. So this effort by the left, the radical far left, again, not talking about your regular average Democrat voter. I'm talking about the far radical left that has its teeth in this administration. That to me is scary. Very scary. So anyways, good episode. Um, we're an hour in, so I will let you go. Thank you for tuning in to episode 26 of the Point B podcast. We got some changes. I got a lot of energy and a lot of focus I'm, I'm going to be putting to this podcast and to the new videos coming out. So I encourage you to jump on board while it's still early. Follow us on Instagram at Point B underscore cast. Uh, I am on Instagram personally at B Esparza, B E S P A R Z A 1787, B Esparza 1787. Follow us on there, share the post. Um, share these new episode posts to your story, throw some hashtags, comment, like, all those things. It helps us more than you know. And like I've been saying, we cannot do this without you. So if you like the, the message we're trying to present, um, give us a follow, help spread the word. And if there's topics that you would like for us to do these single topic episodes on, or it's just something you'd like to, to hear our thoughts on uh, the podcast, send us an email, send us a direct message on uh, Instagram. You can again on instagram at point b underscore cast uh if you want to email it's info at cross and musket.com again i appreciate you listening this is episode 26 of the point b podcast i am bobby esparza i will see you next time